Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. People were, people were pushing their limits, and those tests were tough. Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I'm a little voice burnt. I know. We have been talking up a storm today. We had, we, oh man, I got to tell you, I am, I am excited about every week's show and I'm really excited about this week's show. I am excited about next week's show. I know. So if I sound a little, you know, like I've been smoking too many menthols, it's because I'm working for the listeners. Right. And then we've been interviewed a couple of times this week by other I podcasts. Know, it's been fun, right? So, yeah, we'll have more news on all of that coming out. So watch the socials. Um, but today, oh, oh, and and you know what else? You know what will help with your uh, your 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 throat issues? I think probably wearing a lovely Matt Talk Online T-shirt. It is very soft, and that hat is so warm. Yeah, I know. So we have to say thank you so much to the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant, who sent us some swag from his podcast network, MattTalkOnline.com. Honest Pete, I love that shirt. It's it's he sent us a short sleeve shirt with a, the logo on it. The logo is cool. There's also a little logo on the sleeve. The sleeves are long short sleeves. So they're not those little cap sleeves that show all of my arms that I need to work out more. Yes, and, and I have been I have been wearing the hat a lot, and I posted mm-hmm. a picture, and this is going to tie into Tokyo. I posted a picture of myself in, on Instagram in the hat, but something about the angle, my eyes are because I have brown eyes, mm-hmm. so the pupil and the iris kind of blended. <laughs> so you look like a manga character. I do. <laughs> I'm ready for Tokyo in my hat. It's like, oh, Allison's anime is ready to go. It's the magic of the hat from the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant. I know. It's fantastic. And we got some pins too. So it's very exciting. Thank you so much, Jason. I want, we're working on swag. We're working on swag. Well, we have merch. We have merch, but it ain't swag. But we're working on it. 
if we give it to people for free, then it would be swag. That's yeah, the only difference between yeah, merch yeah. and swag. Yeah, is well, who pays for it? Yeah, yeah, who pays for it? So we're working on paying for some swag. We'll get it. But like pins on the list. Yes, we, we need a pin. Pins. We do need a pin. So we're working on that. On today's show, I'm really excited. We were able to get one of the winners of a scouting camp, the next Olympic hopeful, season two. Presented and- by Milk Life. Right. <laughs> got to get that in they were really good about getting that in it's always slick when they figure out how to slide in the promotional details Um, but we got to talk with Lindsay mayo and you might remember Lindsay is a rocket scientist and she had played collegiate soccer and took a little bit of time off afterwards and wanted to get back into athletics and did a lot of coaching she was the one who had two days and had to get up at 4.15 in the morning to get her morning workout in before she went to go, uh, went to work and, and did her regular job. So she got selected for the rugby developmental program, and we got to hear about the process of the show and how it's going in rugby uh, training. Take a listen. Lindsay, thank you so much. This season took place about two years after you finished college and you had a really successful soccer career in college. So what did you do in the time off or what what was it like ending a college career? Yeah, yeah. Ending a college athletic career was really tough, you know, because when you uh, spend so much of your life on a specific sport, whatever it may be, that becomes obviously a huge part of what you do in your everyday so when it's off, just automatically gone, uh, you kind of have to figure out what to do with yourself again. So for the first year, I just kind of committed myself to my work and stayed active to stay healthy, uh, but didn't pursue anything athletically competitive. And then after a year, I, you know, it was driving me nuts. I was just really restless, you know, feeling like I needed to get back to doing something competitive. So I said, you know what? I'm going to train. I don't know for what, but I'm going to train for something. And then I saw that bobsled has combines every summer. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, sure, I'll do that. And then obviously noticed next month, the hopeful and applied for that. And uh, the rest is history. When did the getting up at 4.15 in the morning start? Because we in my household spent a while going, how did she do that? <laughs> yeah, so getting up early. Um, so getting up at 4.15 in the morning started happening when I committed to training for the bobsled combine because I asked the local trainer, uh, Andy McCloy, who trained me for Next Olympic Hopeful, to him and another guy named Hunter Charneski put together a program for me. And part of the program had two sessions in a day. And to do both sessions and still work full time, I had to get up at 4.15 in the morning and go run, you know, before the sun even comes up and then go work a full day and then train again at night. So my schedule kind of got really full all at once because of that. So when you, where did you find these evil people who gave you this training program? Oh, I think it sounds awesome. No, but in all all seriousness, how did you come in contact with them? Right. Yeah, they are somewhat of evil geniuses. So I first got in contact with Andy because he is based in Huntsville, Alabama, where my work uh, is based out of as well. And I just kind of got in touch with him by Googling his name 
and you know some articles started popping up about him working with NFL football players, preparing them for their preseason or for uh, combines. So I said, hey, you know, if there's anybody who knows what he's doing, it's probably him. So I first got in contact with him, and then he brought Hunter in to help write the program uh, for my specific needs. So, yeah, they kind of put their evil brains together and, and came up with something really cool. How well did that prepare you for the training camp for the next Olympic hopeful? Right. That prepared, it prepared me really well. So I, like I said, I started training with them under the idea that I was going to go to the bobsled combine and then next Olympic hopeful came into the picture. So when I found out that I had been selected for next Olympic hopeful, I was already in the middle of my training program and I went to Andy and said, Hey, you know, what, do you what do you think about all these tests I'm going to have to do he said honestly I think our program already covers all of them you know it's going to make you fit it's going to make you strong it's going to make you fast so I think even though we didn't set out on this program with next Olympic hopeful in mind it still prepares you really well for it and I was really pleased when I went to Colorado Springs uh, how well I was able to perform because uh, their program and their training uh, was very comprehensive Okay, so one step back, how did, how was the audition process for you? Where did you, did you go? Did you send in a tape? Right, so I applied online. Um, I know many athletes uh, utilize 24-hour fitness where you could go and do the test um, and they'll record your scores and send them into next one, hopeful. but I applied online. So I gave them my athletic background. I did some specific tests that they asked us to give them results for, like a three rep max back squat, max rep pull-ups, sprint time, a vertical jump, those kinds of things. Um, so I performed those tests with Andy McCloy's help and sent in my results and received a reply several weeks later saying that uh, I'd been selected. So it was a little bit of a surprise. I, I applied not really expecting that I would get chosen. So when I was, I was pretty surprised. So you get to Colorado Springs. And, you know, we see, that's when we start seeing you on the show, but what was it really like? Do you feel like the show was representative of what was going on? Yeah, I do. I think that the show was representative of what was going on. Um, One thing that was really cool that the show doesn't show you though, was kind of how much of, of a community you build just with the athletes, with each other. When I first was going to Colorado Springs, I was a little bit scared that all the athletes would be really alpha types, you know, trying to be top dog and a little bit cutthroat. But, you know, I got there and everyone was super friendly, super down to earth, very humble. So that was very surprising. And that was really helpful when you're going through all these tough tests. Um, You feel like you have people behind you and people that are in your corner cheering you on. So that was really cool. One thing the show also did get very right was just how hard you had to push yourself at some of those tests. You know, the the show so shows some people puking and you know, uh, you know, just dying trying to run or cycle or whatever it may be. That was very real. People were people were pushing their limits and those tests were tough. So I feel like the show did a pretty good job of showing the reality of, of what it was like. Were there any of the tests that they didn't show that you want to tell us about or something that no, was really particularly did. hard for you? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I know, I know one that everybody thought was difficult was the RSD. So RSD is repeat sprint drill. And the idea is that you have all these cones that you run in between and you get it as far as you can in 30 seconds. Then you have a 35 second rest, repeat that six times, two minute break, and then repeat it six more times. So you know, you get a little bit of the first couple and you're like, oh yeah, I got this. This is okay. By the time you get to four or five, you're thinking there's no way you're going to make it. And you know, it, so by the time you get to the end, you, you're wondering how you're even upright. You know, you're like, <laughs> I don't think I can breathe anymore. I know I can't breathe anymore. Uh, so that was one that, that everybody really hated. Uh, but thankfully we got that out of, out of the way on day one. Um, another one that was very difficult was the cycling test, uh, the cycling specific test. They had us do an all out sprint on a stationary bike for 30 seconds. That one was tough because you're literally giving it your all for 30 seconds. And the funny thing is they told us, you know, expect to be nauseous, a little bit dizzy, you know, getting off the bike the first minute or two, I was fine. I was great. And then I went down to the weight room to do some weightlifting testing and it just hit me like a brick, you know, the, the nausea came in, the dizziness came in and I'm getting ready to do snatches and power cleans. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to, going to have to just grip my teeth and bear this one. Cause this is wow. You know, it's uh, it just came and hit me like a brick. That's for sure. So you didn't eat your Chobani ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, should have should have prepared a little bit more. <laughs> so you you did get chosen for multiple sports. How many of the sports did you get chosen for? And then did you have a say in choosing what you wanted to go on to do? Me personally, I got chosen for four sports off the bat and then got kind of a late invite to one more. Uh I originally got picked for rugby, weightlifting, boxing, and rowing, and then got a later invite to track cycling. And I know for athletes that did get picked for a lot of sports, you did kind of have to pick and choose what sports you wanted to continue forward with because a lot of the testing was at the same time. So in my instance, I chose not to move forward with boxing. And I know there were other athletes who had to choose two or three to kind of pass on, for lack of a better term, because it just wasn't possible to get to all the testing and do everything all at once. So those, those decisions did have to be made relatively quickly. Were you surprised that you didn't get selected for bobsled, considering that you had been training for the combine? Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't get picked for bobsled because I had been training for it, but... I also knew that there were some really cool opportunities with other sports that I was excited about. You know, I was excited, even though I, w even though I went in with bobsled in mind, I was very excited to get to try whatever sport, you know, thought I could be, uh, the thought I had potential there. So, you know, I was really excited that I got invites from five of the sports, even though they weren't bobsled. So you're doing rugby now. And what's your first, imp I assume you had not played rugby before. No, no, I had not played rugby before. So you did do team sports. You were a soccer player for a long time. Um, how has the transition been into rugby? 
Yeah, so the transition to rugby has been a lot of fun. So I did play soccer, which is a team sport. So there are certain principles of team sports that that carry over, and especially from soccer to rugby that carry over, which you wouldn't you wouldn't think that soccer and rugby have anything in common, but some of the thought process in how you view the game and how you make decisions in the game is similar uh, between soccer and rugby. So that's really helpful to go out on the field. And when the coach explains something, you can go, oh, okay, I get that because I have, I've done something similar to that before. So that was kind of cool to realize that there are some things in common, but obviously there are a lot of things that are different about rugby. One of which being that you can actually tackle people. Um, <laughs> my, my introduction to contact was uh, really a trial by fire on day two of training for rugby uh, was a contact day. So literally the first session, you know, they stand a tackle bag up there and go, okay, go tackle it. I said, what? (laughs) They said, yeah, tackle it with your shoulder. Don't lead with your head. Go. So I wait, what? (laughs) So, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to tackle this thing. Just kind of as we're going through practice, you know, very much just kind of throw me in, you know, throw me to the dogs. The next day I woke up, I was black and blue from head to toe. I feel like I had gotten hit by a truck. Oh my gosh. It was, uh, it was very interesting first day of contact, but I survived and oddly enough, I enjoy it. So I guess it worked out. Now in the show, you talked about a back in- a rather serious back injury that you had. How is that now you're in a contact sport? Mm-hmm. So how is that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so my back injury uh, when I was in college, uh, I was I was having this back and hip problem, and, and the doctor told me I had two things: SI joint dysfunction, which is kind of a catch-all for there's something up with your SI joint, which connects your spine to your hip. Uh, so there's something kind of messed up there, but we're not sure what it is. Uh, And then I also had a PARS defect, which is basically a stress fracture between two of your vertebrae that never healed. So he told me I had those two things and that more than likely this pain that I was experiencing, which was debilitating at the time, you know, my, I couldn't sleep well at night. I couldn't exercise. I couldn't sit in a chair in any, in my lectures. I had to stand up in the back of the classroom just to be able to stay in my lectures so at the time it was debilitating. He told me that that was something that I was probably going to struggle with for the rest of my life. And, you know, together with my trainers uh, there at the University of Arkansas, we kind of put together a plan to reteach me how to live, really, how to breathe, how to sit, stand, walk, run. And that took a lot of effort and a lot of work. But uh, thankfully, with their work and the knowledge they gave me on how to care for myself, I've been able to use that while I'm playing rugby to still feel well. I feel great. Um, I don't have to worry about, I don't have to, I'm not going to say I don't have to worry about it, but I have tools at my disposal now to be sure that I do feel well and I'm taking care of my body so that those things don't become so problematic. So when they uh, announced the winners, you know, we only see that, you know, 30 seconds of the program. How is the setup for that? 
in terms of did they just all call you into a room? You're all sitting there, or was it broken up? How did that go? So when they announced the winners, it was a really cool setup. You know, we're all sitting there on the bleachers and got the platform, and they've got all the athletes and all the coaches there. So they uh, very similar to how they show it on the broadcast. Uh, each coach was able to stand up there and call out the athlete that won for their sport and come up and get the jacket, which is a really cool jacket, by the way. <laughs> um, it was a really cool jacket. So athlete was able to come up and get the, get the jacket and um, kind of take their place on the stage. And then they just kind of went through athlete by athlete. So kind of, so anyone who was, it kind of got nerve wracking toward the end for athletes who were, looking for a sport that was kind of toward the end which rugby was I think rugby was the well rugby was the fourth or fifth I think so as you go down the line you know you're just getting more anxious and more anxious and more you know more twitchy in your seat and so it was a little bit nerve-wracking but it was really cool uh at the end for uh the eight winners to be able to celebrate together and with all the athletes that were there supporting us along the way because we kind of became kind of like a family over the few days that we were there. So it was really cool. So what has been your life since then? Because that was over the summer, right? Right. So we filmed in Colorado Springs at the end of July. For the month of August, I went back to Huntsville, Alabama, and then came to Chula Vista, California at the beginning of September to begin training with the U.S. Sevens National Team here at the Olympic Training Center. So I've been training here in California since September, and it's been a really good time. Like I said, I've been learning a lot about rugby, about the sport, about the players, just about the whole culture since September. So it's been a really fun time, a really cool atmosphere, and I am super thankful for the opportunity and really excited for uh, what may come up ahead. Has there been any hazing? (laughs) <laughs> no, there hasn't been any hazing. Everyone here has been really, really fun and really welcoming. It, I mean, if you count hazing to be, you know, throwing me into contact on day two and probably just <laughs> laughing as, as I go. I'm sure they were just cracking up laughing watching me. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's it's all been it's all been good. Have you played a game yet? A full game? So I have not played a full game yet. The staff and I are are working currently to get me a little bit more game time. Uh, so that's yet to come. Yeah, because it's interesting. The the rugby sevens is a much shorter game than soccer, and it would be interesting to see how your endurance for the game of soccer transitions over to rugby because you do have more contact in rugby. Right. That and that's that's really interesting. It definitely so a lot of the the fitness that we do for soccer is similar to the fitness you would do for rugby. But soccer, like you mentioned, you play for ninety minutes, whereas a game of rugby sevens is only fourteen minutes long. Well the thing about rugby sevens though is that pretty much the entire game you're sprinting. You're running your hardest, you're tackling your hardest, you're jumping your highest as all, the entire 14 minutes, as hard as you can the entire 14 minutes. So you do have to be a little bit more fit for high intensity over a shorter period of time 
uh, versus low intensity over a longer period of time like you would for soccer. So uh, that's definitely been an adjustment to teach yourself to just, you know, for 14 or 15 minutes, just all out sprint, just give it your all, go as hard as you can for that period of time. Now, have you taken a leave of absence from your other job? I have not taken a leave of absence from uh, my other job. So my, uh, I work for Boeing. Um, and once I told them about this opportunity that I had to train for rugby, my manager and my team were more than supportive. And uh, they actually allowed me to continue working part-time remotely while I've been in California. So after training on weekends, in between sessions, I've been able to log on and continue working, which has been which has been really cool. And um, I'm very glad that they have been flexible and supportive of me uh, pursuing my dream in this way. That's fantastic. That is fantastic because you work on like the space launch program, correct? Yeah. So the project I work on is called the Space Launch System, or SLS for short. NASA contracted Boeing to build this rocket with the intention that it'll be the, you know, big bad rocket they use to push the boundaries of space exploration, especially manned space exploration. So um, once, once the rocket is off the ground, they've got some pretty cool plans for it over the years. So how long were you at training camp before somebody pulled a rocket science joke? Oh, it's not rocket science. <laughs> um, I, I think, I honestly think it was, it, I, I wasn't even at training camp yet. I was on the bus to training camp. <laughs> I was on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I was on the bus from the airport and somebody uh, pulled a rocket science joke. And it was actually kind of cool. On my flight to Colorado Springs, I met another athlete who was uh, a part of Next Olympic hopeful, who actually also worked on the SLS program, just on another part of it. So that was why we didn't know each other, because she did something a little bit different than I do, but still on the same program. So, you know, there were a couple rocket, couple rocket scientists there, which was kind of oh, cool. So, funny that you were on the world. same project and didn't even have any contact oh yeah we we had no idea until we sat next to each other and you know just kind of started getting to know each other and she said wait what 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 do you work on you know i work on the SLS. she said oh my gosh me too you know so it's a small world so far so good the transition's been it sounds pretty smooth oh yeah absolutely um the transition has been has been great the the staff here have been awesome. Like I said, my work has been uh, extremely supportive and, and understanding. And I really enjoy being able to pursue athletics and uh, my work uh, because I feel like those are two parts of myself that I very much value. And this way, I feel like I'm getting to fulfill and exercise both. When I was just working, I felt like I was kind of leaving out the athletic gifts and, and passions that I had. So um, I'm very, I'm very happy that I now get to pursue both. Um, it feels much better from, from a personal perspective. Any surprises at the training center, just in terms of being there, working there, living there? 
Yeah. Uh, so the training center, um, I was, I was a little bit surprised by how much I would get to know, uh, how much I would get to know the t- my teammates around me. I, I forgot just how much athletics brings you together because when you're in a team environment and you're training together every day, you're pushing yourselves, you're pushing each other, you really get to know each other really quickly and you become part of the family pretty quickly because you see the good, the bad and the ugly, literally. So I just kind of forgot what that was like to to have those teammates and have that community with the people you're on the field with every day. So I was very pleased uh, by that when I got here. Excellent. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. And we would like to officially welcome you as a member of Team Olympic Fever, which means basically we'll follow your progress on social media and root for you whenever we can. So congratulations. (laughs) You have a whole cheering section now. Yeah, yeah, I made it. I made it. <laughs> and it's exciting because I got to say, rugby was rugby sevens was just such a fun addition to the Olympic program. It, yeah. It's so exciting to watch. So we're really rooting for you and really excited to see what you can do on the field and contribute to the Olympic movement. Thank you, thank you. I'm very, I'm very excited. There's a long way to go, but uh, I'm excited to see the path ahead so it'll be a lot of fun well best of luck to you i'm i'm so excited you're getting to pursue this dream it's it's fantastic thank you thank you um yeah thanks for having me this was awesome this was a good time thank you so much Lindsay. and you know what's exciting about the show allison i'm so excited i know one of our favorite bobsledders josh williamson got to go back and be a mentor on the show and he was kind enough to to uh, sit on Skype with us again and let us know how that went. And and uh, here is that interview. Now, you went back and you were on the next Olympic hopeful season two and you kind of got to be on the other side and helping them. I did. That was a lot of fun. I was really glad that they kind of gave me the nod and let me come out there. I was, it was pretty exciting when I heard from it. They would like me to come out and just watch and help out and I kind of had a cool role where, you know, I wasn't obviously a mentor because I've only been doing the sport for, you know, a year, but I was able to give some good advice on how, you know, I I was in their position the year beforehand and I was able to kind of help them out when they had any questions or just tell them, Hey, like, you know, you just got to calm down. I know it's very exciting and you're here and you're nervous, but at the end of the day, it's just another competition. And I feel like I had a pretty unique perspective I could help them out with, which was something that I really enjoyed being able to kind of help calm some people down and make sure that they were going to give their best and not let their nerves get the best of them. Did it seem very different? Was this, was the program very different or similar from last year? It was similar, but it definitely, I think that something they continued, obviously they just saw what they liked and didn't like about the year before. And they continued to kind of build on it, which I was really excited about. I think that every year there's more and more, I'm, I'm not sure exactly of the number, but I'm, pretty sure more people applied this year and there's more people interested. And I think a lot of that has to do with obviously the Olympics in February and on top of that last year's show. And then they had a lot of ad campaigns showing, Hey, if you want to eventually try to go to the Olympics, this is a great avenue to try to maybe find a sport you could be good at. So I thought that was pretty cool that there was a lot of people who had knew about it now and were really excited to try it. It was gaining a little traction. And I think every year it's going to continue to do that, which I think is awesome because at the end of the day, I think this is a great, tool that we can use to recruit. 
And on top of that, kind of just bring awareness to some of the sports that, like Bob said, for example, that sometimes people only hear about every four years. And I think this show could be a great way to continue to push that out and show everybody that this is something that we do every year and that we really enjoy and that it's definitely something that if you're a good athlete, you should be interested in. And then your winner was Rodriguez Russell, right? Yes. And he stepped away. He had like family that was were also bobsledders. Yes. Yeah. His brother, Adrian Adams, is on the national team. He's been on the national team many years, and he's been in the sport for a while. Their dad was also in the program back, I can't remember what years it was, but he also competed in USA bobsled. So it's pretty cool tradition that they have of push athletes coming through there, and his brother is very – Rodriguez, his Adrian's younger brother was very interested and he's a great athlete. And it was really exciting because I trained with Adrian all summer in Tennessee and Rodriguez actually stopped in and trained with us a little bit. So it was pretty cool to see him do well and was able to there and help him out any way I could with, you know, tips or advice on different events or something. And so it was cool seeing him do well. Yeah, I think he ended up doing, did end up having some kind of family, something was going on where he ended up having to step away and it's the sport's not for everybody, but I was really proud of him that he gave it a try and he was a good, good enough athlete, obviously. So I'm pretty sure that was a great confidence booster and uh, hoping whatever he's doing, he's doing well. Thank you so much, Josh. And we're going to have Josh back on the show soon to let us know how he's doing with bobsled. He's got a, his season is uh, the world cup in bobsled has started, but he's had a little injury. He's had to nurse. So he will be starting up competing in the beginning of 2019. So before his first race, we'll have him back on the show to let us know how things have developed for him and how much that Next Olympic Hopeful program has helped. I mean, it's a really cool concept, I think. It still it really is. is cool, and I think it's it's helpful to both and, the athletes and the sports. And you know what? It brought Josh into our lives. I know. So for that reason alone, it was worth it. <laughs> So Josh, all the puking you may have done during your combine, Lindsay, all the frustrations you had on the track cycle, you know, it's all worth it because now you're part of Team Olympic Fever. Yeah, right? absolutely. There you go. <laughs> all right. Moving on to Tokyo 2020. So here was my cool discovery this week. Yes. What is it? Olympic volunteers have a nickname. What? I, don't, I did I not did know not this. I did not realize this, but it makes perfect sense, right? Exactly. So in London, they were called the Games Makers. Mm -hmm. In Pyeongchang, they were the Passion Crew. Okay. Which is a little questionable. I don't know. I think it, it's Ignite the Fire, right? Wasn't that one of the themes? You know? <sighs> I, I I just question because it sounds like, you know, the name of a strip <laughs> hey, club. Your, your mind went somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. But... Uh, right now, until the end of January, we are voting on the name for the Tokyo uh, volunteers. So you can, they will either be the field cast, the games anchor, games force, or shining blue. Interesting. What do you think? I think games force is probably makes sense. Shining yeah. blue is kind of interesting, and you could do a lot with that. But I think games force, you, you understand it's a force. Right, and that sounds kind of futuristic, which almost goes with the mascots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so I like. We'll so, I yeah, field cast sounds like something you're injured and they put it on you on the playing field. <laughs> like I had to get a field cast. And games anchor. It sounds like you're, you're on That's Mike Tarico. Yeah, 
Yeah, right. That is my treat. We have a games anchor. Thank you. So yeah, right. I don't know. So you can vote until the end of January at Tokyo2020.org. Yes. Okay. And if you are looking to volunteer for the games, if you'd like to apply to volunteer for the games, those applications close the 21st of December at 1700 hours Japan Standard Time. So if you're in the US, you know, do the math because it's probably a good half a day, um, 14, 15 hours, they're ahead of you. So just don't wait until the last minute. Go right. do it right now. Yes, exactly. So much excitement. They're getting closer and closer. And we have even more excitement. Right, with our Team Olympic Fever update. It's tofu time. Oh my gosh. It was got a lot. It was a whirlwind of competition because now all of our Team Olympic Fever members who are still competing this year, now they're back at it doing their thing. Ha huh. man, it was a it was a crazy weekend. So Chloe Kim got first in a the Snowboard Halfpipe World Cup event at Copper Mountain. Devin Logan competed at the same World Cup in the Ski Halfpipe, and she placed sixth, which is good because she had a big, big old injury from Pyeongchang. So yes, it's nice so to I'm see. Glad to see she came back. Right, made the finals, represented, and uh, it's a nice start to the season. I think. Yeah, I agree. Omaha had a World Cup curling event, and Team Schuster beat Sweden to take the gold. That was a nice rematch from the Olympics, and U.S. won three to one. Curling in Omaha just sounds funny to me. Why? I don't know. Like Omaha, you know what I think it is? Because Omaha now is the home of the swimming. Oh, the swimming uh, trials? The swimming trials. So I immediately think summer when I hear Omaha now. Okay. Well, listener Erica, you can tell us what curling and Omaha mean together. Yeah. I've never been there, so I shouldn't say. No, it was but exactly that ever very nice. Before. <laughs> it's a lovely city. I'd go back. I didn't get enough. I went there this uh, August and I didn't get to spend enough time there. So I'd go back in a heartbeat. Oh, man. In figure skating, it was the golden spin of Zagreb meet and our pairs skaters, Deanna Stellato and Nathan Bartholomew placed third overall they got on the medal stand that was really and they moved up yes because they started out they got they were in fifth place after the short program and then moved up to third on the free so i wonder if this is their this must be their last competition before nationals oh could be because you take a break there's always a break around Mm -hmm. christmas so that's a nice setup for them right so oh i want them to do so well at nationals right that would be great Speed skater Erin Jackson has been competing in the ISU Speed Skating World Cup, and she is doing well. I would say she's doing well, given that this is her first World Cup season. She just competed in Poland, and in her event, which is the 500 meters, they have uh, two races. So in the first race, she placed 12th, and in the second race, she placed 14th. But the interesting thing is that her 12th place time was slower than her 14th place time. So it was nice to see some improvement in time. And uh, the the whole gang is going on to the Netherlands this weekend for the last race of the year, I would say, because uh, they're also going to have a long winter or long Christmas break. And they get all of January off as well because a, a Speed Skating World Cup comes back in February, but... Netherlands, it's like, being at, speed skating. like being at college. It is. You get the like six-week winter break. <laughs> but man, oh, that but event getting... in the Netherlands is going to be cool. 
she's going to get to compete in the Netherlands. Oh, I wonder if the King and Queen are going to be there. Oh, my God. Erin Jackson, if you get to see the King and Queen of the Netherlands, I will be so jealous. That would be, I, we're going to have to ask. Yeah. We'll have to talk to her. And she's got to explain this whole first race, second race thing to us. We right. Need to, we need to talk to her again. Right. Okay. We'll get on that. We'll get on that. Yeah. In the world of biathlon, if you've been on the podcast group, you've seen or saw it on Twitter because, oh my gosh, first race of the IBU World Cup season and our biathlete Claire Egan had some of the best skiing of her life and she had a rough start. There's multiple races that they do in a World Cup meet, so she had a really rough day in the 15-kilometer individual where she finished in 60th place because she missed five shots. And then in the 7.5-kilometer sprint, she got 15th place, which was her second-best career finish. And everyone was really but... excited about that. Yeah, and then the next day, it was the 10K pursuit, and she placed 6th, which gets her in what they call the flower ceremony. And that's her best career finish ever. And it was funny, I was watching... I was watching it on the Olympic Channel, and they said, never seen somebody so excited to get in the flowers. <laughs> but she was thrilled. I mean, you wait, you know, you work so hard, and, and so many other countries are so dominant. And she really, when we talked to her, she really wanted to come back this season because she was so disappointed with not so much her results last season, but how she performed. Mm -hmm. And so now to see her doing so so well right right like the summer training is really clicked in and worked and oh it's so exciting so really happy for her i'm really excited to see next round of biathlon of course because biathlon rules um bobsled as we mentioned started up again they did their first world cup race in latvia and our bobsled uh break woman lauren gibbs came in fifth with driver Brittany Reinbolt, and now they move on to Germany for their next race in Winterberg. And the interesting thing about this race was Ilana Myers-Taylor and Sylvia Hoffman, they disqualified because they had an underweight sled. Someone's got to explain to me how that happens. I don't know. I want to know that too. So we'll have to get on the horn. And can um, I just tell you, they need me on the team. I would never be underweight for anything. <laughs> I guess the sled needs to come over for dinner. I, I <laughs> Fix it up a nice place of pasta. Yeah, a few right. meatballs, a little artichoke. Mm, that's Getting lovely. into stuffed clam season. Mm. Yeah, I'll take care of that sled quick. All right. Cookies? <laughs> you got anything else? A little cappuccino? Well, you know, I do make a good cappuccino. Well, that offer's out there. Yeah. <laughs> if the sled needs a good meal, I'm here for it. And finally, Bradley Wilson in Moguls. He was in a World Cup race in Finland, and he placed 18th. So nice job there, Bradley. Keeping it going. Uh, moving on to our, we have an IOC update. Just a couple of things very quickly. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago were officially granted gold medal status for their relay team from Beijing. And this is the one where uh, Usain Bolt and the Jamaican team were disqualified. And not because of Usain Bolt. Right. Because yeah. one of his teammates uh, tested positive. Yes. For so, something. 
Right. So they got their medals. And then uh, it came out the, the there was an Olympic summit within the IOC. And one of the things that came out of that summit was that they said esports are not ready for the Olympics. They're not quite what the Olympics is looking for. To which I say, no duh. Yeah. Why was that even a consideration? You see, my, my theory is that it got him some press because everybody was talking about, oh, esports is going to be the next Olympics. It'll be in the next Olympics. And they got so much press about it. And you knew that they were never going to allow that to come in. So much is to work the, out. The no coverage is bad coverage, even I, though it I was all so. negative. Well, I, I, just, I think it's fine. You know, they, yeah. they got their name out there. You know, what sports get in, what sports don't. Who knows? But... Yeah, it's been a busy week in Olympic land. I know. You wouldn't think it would be. You'd think they'd be, you know, moving their elves on shelves or something. But no. (laughs) I'm going to get you a T-Buck on the shelf. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. Oh, that would be nice. I could get him a little watch, make him a little steak. Maybe knit him a little cashmere sweater for when it's chilly. It works. I know. T-bok. Well, what would rhyme with T-bok? Um, Something in German. Oh, man. I'll work on it. Yeah. Like, what's sled in German? Do you know? Um, oh, my gosh. Why am I forgetting this? Because part of me just wanted to say luge, but that's not right. That's French. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what okay, so is. We're working on it. We'll work on that. So if anybody knows something that would rhyme with T-Bock. Let us know. Hit yeah. us up. T-Bock in a lock. Oh, I could put him in a little Scottish lake. I could make yeah. a little Scottish with a little Nessie. Okay. <laughs> if anyone wants to design that for me, let me know. Oh, Nessie, the IOC chair is here. <laughs> And we have. <laughs> Where does this stuff come from? I don't even know. I don't know. But... <laughs> Far out. <laughs> we'll make that happen. We'll get you a little T Bock. T Bock on the lock. <laughs> Coming your way. So, anyway, don't forget that our book club selection is Rome 1960, and you can buy it through our website, through our Amazon link. And hey, by the way, we do have this Amazon link on our website so that it is a way to raise money for the show without really putting a super dent in your wallet. And we would really appreciate your support. And when you go and shop through Amazon, just go over to Olim Fever first and click on the link on our uh, front page or a support us link or on the book club link as well we will be having our book club meeting either at the end of january or beginning of february so get get going on that book and it's, it's good a big book. i mean it is a big book and it it's took a you, good it took, book but it's it's a big book it's a big book it takes a little while to get into and then yes. like it don't it, give it, up yes uh, looking forward to that as well so on that note we will wrap it up for this week and catch you back here next week for more olympic stories so excited for next week because we talked to somebody who drove a Zamboni at Pyeongchang and we learned all about ice technician stuff and it was great. Don't put your tongue on the ice. Nobody puts their tongue on the ice. 
But we will have that interview for you next week as well. And until then, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. You know, it's all worth it, because now you're part of Team Olympic Fever.